Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Today I'm going to talk about a topic you're all very familiar with, and that's prayer. And at first you might think, you know, what more is there to learn about prayer? It's simple, right? You talk to God and you listen for answers. But I've thought about prayer a lot over the years, and I have so many questions. Like, how can God hear me if I pray in my head with my thoughts? I can't just accept that and move on like it's no big deal. That's pretty incredible. Uh, He can somehow read what's going on inside my brain. For a long time, it was really difficult to understand, but then man invented the cell phone. And if I touch the screen just right, without even saying a word, Hungry Howie's will make a pizza for me (laughs) and deliver it here to this building. It's like they can read what's going on inside of my phone. So cell phones and brains, they're, they're not the same, so we don't really know how God does it. But I figure if Hungry Howie's can do it, God can certainly do it. But I have more questions. Like, what's the purpose of prayer if God already knows what we're going to ask before we even ask it? Can we change God's mind? The Bible says to ask and we will receive. But I've asked for things that I didn't receive. How often and for how long should we pray? How does God talk to us? My questions go on and on. But we're going to look at a lot of scripture today to see if we can find some answers. First, we'll start with the purpose of prayer. Why should we pray? And there it is. There's an acronym for that that describes the different parts of prayer. And it's praise, repent, ask, and yield. Those are the four different parts of prayer. The P stands for praise. And there are three parts to this. Praising God for how awesome he is. Thanking him for everything he's done for us and telling him how much we love him. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's pretty easy to understand. God's awesome beyond our comprehension and we should know, show him that we understand that by praising him. He's given us everything we have, so we should be extremely thankful for everything he's done for us. And he loves us more than we can ever know, so we should tell him how much we love him. I'm only spending a short time on the praise, but that doesn't mean that that's not a really important part of prayer. The R in praise stands for repent. We must repent of our sins and ask for forgiveness. Repent means to feel sorry about a sin you've committed and sincerely want to change your life for the better. It's not just saying you're sorry. It's actually really wanting to change and never wanting to do that sin again. However, there is one more condition that you have to meet in order for God to forgive you. Let's look at Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So in order for God to forgive you, you must first forgive anyone who sinned against you. If there's someone in your life that you haven't forgiven, you need to do so or God's not going to forgive you. And if God's not going to forgive you, I think your salvation is lost. 
Let me explain that a little further. When God forgives us for our sins, our relationship with him is completely restored. He's erased that sin from our record and has no hard feelings toward us for what we've done. Each of you needs to think about all the people in your life, talking family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, people at church, people in other churches, anyone you know. If when you think about them, you have any negative feelings towards them, you haven't forgiven them. If you forgive someone, the negative gets wiped out. If you still have hard feelings because of what someone did, you haven't forgiven them. And God will not forgive you. I'm making a big deal about this because your salvation can be lost over this. I'm concerned that there may be people in your life that you still have hard feelings about, which means your salvation could be lost. So take the time to think about everyone you know and make sure they are all forgiven. The A in praise stands for ask. Let's look at Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So everyone who asks receives. So is it that easy? If I ask God right now, make a million dollars appear right here. Is he going to do it? It said if I ask. I'll receive. We better take a look at Mark eleven twenty two to 24. It says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that th- what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So it actually takes more than asking. You also have to believe. You have to be sure it's going to happen. I want to talk about stress and anxiousness for a moment. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Why are we stressed and anxious sometimes? I think it's because we're worried about what's going to happen. And if you're worried about a situation and you pray for God's help in that situation, should you still be worried after you pray? No. If you're still worried, you doubt that God is going to take care of that situation. We just read that you have to believe that what you ask for is going to happen. Therefore, if you're still anxious, you don't have complete faith that God's in control. And if you don't believe, you might not get what you ask for. So, back to the million dollars. If I ask for God to make a million dollars appear right here, And I truly believe it will happen. Will it happen? Better look at James 4.3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. 
that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So if you ask with the wrong motives, you're not going to receive what you ask for. Your motives need to line up with God's motives. So if I want a million dollars, but God doesn't think I need a million dollars, I'm not getting a million dollars. So I need to ask, I need to believe, and I need to ask with motives that line up with God's motives. Is that all? Nope. John 9, 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. God doesn't listen to sinners. You have to have your life right with God or he isn't going to listen to you. You can't just show up and ask him for help only when you're having trouble. You need to be living a godly life all the time if you want him to listen to you. Now, does that mean he won't listen to you, to to someone who hasn't been living a godly life and is in trouble? No, I think you can get your life straight pretty quickly. Um, You just need to repent, which means you're truly sorry about your past life. And if you sincerely want to change your life going forward, I think at that point, God will listen to you. But you can't fake him out. He knows if you're sincere. So now we have a good foundation on how to get what we pray for. Live a godly life, have the proper motives, and believe you will receive what you ask for. So if we do all these things, can we actually change God's mind? In Matthew 6, 8, it says that God knows what we need before we ask him. If he already knows what we need before we even pray, why take the time to pray at all? Or can we actually influence the outcome by our prayers? Let's look at Isaiah 38, 1 through 5. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. So in verse 1, God had Isaiah give Hezekiah a message to put his house in order because he was going to die. He was not going to recover. God said he was going to die. But Hezekiah pleaded with God to spare his life, and he wept bitterly. So God sent Isaiah back to Hezekiah to tell him that he heard his prayer, and he saw his tears, and he said he would add 15 years to his life. Did God change his mind, or was he waiting all along for Hezekiah to ask? I don't know, but either way, Hezekiah's prayer certainly changed the outcome of that situation. One more example is in James 5, 17 through 18. It didn't rain for three and a half years because Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And then he prayed for it to rain, and it did. That's some pretty powerful prayer. Prayer can certainly change the outcome. But sometimes we ask for something and we don't get it, even though it seems like it was a good prayer. I'll bet many of you today have prayed for someone, for God to heal someone, 
But that person ended up dying. Seems like it would have been a good thing to heal them. Why would God let someone die when someone asked for them to be healed? I don't have the answer to that, but I can share with you a few thoughts that I've had. First, if they were saved, they're in a good spot now. They're already in a place where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. They're asleep, taking a long nap. And the next thing they know, they'll be rising to meet Jesus in the sky. That's not a bad spot to be in. Still doesn't answer why God didn't heal them, though. Maybe it was just time for them to die. Moses died. Abraham died. David died. Mary died. Paul died. These are all good people. But they all died. Even Jesus died. And he didn't want to die either. In Matthew 26, 39, 42, and 44, Jesus prayed three times hoping there was a different way to do God's will that didn't require him to be tortured and killed on the cross. He was willing to die if he had to, but he was asking if there could be a different way to save mankind. Even Jesus didn't get what he asked for in his prayer. Another example is in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul was given a thorn in his flesh to keep him from becoming conceited. We don't know exactly what that thorn was, but he clearly didn't like it. And he prayed three times to have it taken away, and God didn't take it away. It might not always make sense when God doesn't give us what we ask for, but I think we need to trust that God has our best interest in mind and those around us. He loves us more than we know, and he obviously understands the whole situation a lot better than we do. There's another important lesson to learn about asking. How often do we need to ask for the same thing? If I ask once with the proper motives and believe that I'll get what I ask for, why would I ask again? Luke 11, 5 through 9. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So you might not get what you're asking for at first. You might need to be really persistent. That's what this is teaching us, is to be really persistent. You need to keep asking God and let God know how much you want it. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, Jesus prays so hard that his sweat was like drops of blood. If you really want something, you need to pray hard. You need to pray often and let God know how bad you want it. A couple more quick points about how to increase your chances of getting what you ask for. In James 5.16, says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So either be that righteous person yourself or find a righteous person. Share your concerns with them and have them pray for you. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Matthew 18, 19. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So find someone that agrees with you about what both of you want and ask for it. In Acts 1.14, it says that the apostles, the women, and Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers all join together constantly in prayer. It's obviously a good idea to join together with others in prayer. So, live a godly life. Pray with the right motives. Believe you receive what you ask for. Find others to pray with, especially righteous people. Be persistent. Pray as hard as you can. And understand that God loves you and knows best when you don't get what you ask for. Now the why in pray stands for yield. Yield to God. Prayer is not only about talking to God, but it's also about listening to what he might have to say to you. It might not be real easy because God doesn't usually speak to us in an audible voice these days. Although he did say he would give us the Holy Spirit to be our counselor. I'm not sure exactly how God talks to us these days, but I do think he communicates with us. I think he puts thoughts in our minds. I think he gives us urges to do things. And I think he sends people to us to talk to us on his behalf. So be sure to leave some time in your prayers to stop talking and do some listening. What did I do? So that completes our acronym. Pray. Praise, repent, ask, yield. But there's still more to talk about. Prayer is not just about yourself and God. Prayer should be used to ask for things on behalf of others. There's no limit as to who you can and should pray for. But the Bible does mention some groups that we should be praying for. In 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, it says we should pray for kings and all those in authority. So we need to pray for our president, no matter our politics, all of our government leaders, as well as the leaders of other countries. It says we should do this so we can live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Matthew 5.44 says you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I think that's a trick. If you decide to love your enemies and start praying for their well-being, what do you suppose happens? You start caring about them and you probably don't consider them your enemy anymore. I think it may be nearly impossible to love someone and root for them and still consider them an enemy. Ephesians 6.18 tells us to always keep on praying. I just did it again, didn't I? Ephesians 6.18 tells us to keep, always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. That's all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, those are just a few groups that get special mention in Scripture to pray for. But you should pray for anybody and everybody that could use some prayer. A prayer is not about impressing others with big words and making a big scene so everyone thinks we're so righteous. 
Matthew 6, 7 tells us not to keep on babbling like pagans who think they will be heard because of their many words. Matthew 6, 6 tells us to go into our rooms, close the door, and pray. It says, our Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Romans 8, 26, and 27 goes even further to say it, it isn't about the words we use. And Aaron just mentioned this. It says that when we aren't sure about what to pray for, the Spirit will intercede for us through wordless groans. It's not really about the words at all. It's about what's on your heart, sharing your heart with God. How often should we pray? How long should we pray for? I I don't have an exact answer for that. But if I had to answer the question of how much we should pray, I would say a lot. In Luke 6, 12, it says, Jesus went to the mountainside and spent the night praying. He took the time to find a good spot to spend a lengthy amount of time and then spent the night praying. I assume that lasted for several hours. And this wasn't uncommon for Jesus at all to spend a lot of time praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is only two words. Pray continually. That seems about impossible. Uh, We can't pray all day long every day. So what does that really mean? I think it means we should be communicating with God all throughout the day. I think we tend to push God aside in our hearts and minds when we're working, watching TV, doing homework, while we're doing many other things. I think we need to stay in touch with God no matter what we're doing. Keep him close in your mind and try not to forget that he's always with you. Talk to him and listen to him all day long. I talked about the purpose of prayer being to praise, repent, ask, and yield. But I think there's actually even a greater purpose to prayer. It's about a relationship with God, our Father. It's about spending time with him. If you're close to God, you're, doing, you're going to want to spend some time with him. And the way we currently do that is through prayer. I think sometimes we take the ability to pray for granted. But if you stop to think about it, prayer is fascinating. You are actually, actually communicating with God. Yes, the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe is spending some personal time with you. That's scary. That's thrilling. That's comforting. That's awesome. Have you ever played the game where you choose one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to eat dinner with and talk to for a while? It's pretty interesting to think about who you'd want to talk to. Famous entertainers, presidents, and Bible characters like Noah are some of the answers I've heard. Those would all be very intriguing conversations to have, but they all pale in a conversation with God. And that It's just a game, so you actually won't even really get to speak to these people in this life. But prayer is not a game. God's given us the ability to communicate directly with him anytime we want. He doesn't like to be ignored, and he loves it when we choose to spend time with him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day and a chance to come together. We thank you for your word that we can learn from We thank you for prayer, just the way that you're always there for us every day, every hour. 
we can always come and talk to you and spend time with you. And we just thank you for, for doing that for us, for being there for us. Um, please forgive us for when we push you to the side for too long, we ignore you and we get too caught up in our daily lives. And we just thank you for, for Jesus and what he did for us and died on the cross so that someday we will actually get to have a conversation face to face. And we so look forward to your kingdom and we love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.